Hello and welcome to From Mrs. to Me, a podcast where you'll be inspired by courageous stories of strength and resilience told by women just like you who have been through the upheaval of divorce. This is their journey from Mrs. to Me, finding their true identity and creating a bold, beautiful life. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and I'm your host, a certified life coach and divorce mother of two. Join me each week as we explore real stories of divorce and what it takes to transform and live in alignment with the real you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Mrs. to Me. I'm Chrissy Freeman, divorce empowerment coach and your host. I am so excited to share this next guest with you. She is an inspiration to so many, including myself. Her transformational story is inspiring and the work she does every day, helping others to live in gratitude and spread kindness is truly remarkable. Lisa Mosier is first and foremost, a hugger and a lover of people. And I can attest to that. She's also a mother to eight boys, both biological and foster. Lisa met her husband at the age of 20, and they were married for 36 years before she asked for a divorce in 2021. Lisa has also had a successful career working her way up from a receptionist to running the litigation department of a reputable large firm in Florida. Lisa is an active sponsor for those in addiction through Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Marijuana, and Heroin Anonymous. She's a certified addiction and recovery coach. She is a volunteer and mentor for women in distress. Lisa is a certified courage coach advocating for those without a voice. And she is the host of the Miracle Morning Mindset and Motivation Radio Show on Clubhouse, which is where I met Lisa. She's also the co-host of Shattering the Stigma on Clubhouse. And on top of this, she's a friend to so many. So, wow. Talk about inspiring. I can't wait to get started and to share this beautiful soul with you. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you as we catch up in our lives. Yes, yes. Oh, it is so great to connect again. And just for purposes of the audience, um, I wanted to share that this podcast is really to provide hope to listeners who may be struggling with making the decision to leave a marriage or they're overcoming the overwhelm of divorce, starting over or trying to start over and discovering their truth to really ultimately ultimately creating a fulfilling life after divorce. So that's really where I want to start. You've experienced kind of all of those things. And so to start, can you take us back just a little bit to share who was Lisa? before your marriage ended in 2021. Can you give us just a glimpse of her? Absolutely. So, you know, I think so many women, as they are navigating a relationship, a marriage, a household, 
perhaps a career outside of the household, children, all of those things, they truly become lost in that happy chaos, the turmoil, everything that's going on. And there was a point where I started really suffering myself inside personally, and I wasn't one to complain. Uh, I've always had a very happy, positive outlook, but I could feel that I was diminishing, and I could feel that I was kind of wilting, and I didn't have an identity. I was someone's wife, I was someone's mom, I was someone's daughter-in-law, I was someone's sister-in-law. And in, in all of that, where was Lisa? And yes. when I very first came into being married, I was a very independent, uh, full of energy type of girl. And as the years progressed, somehow that got buried. So that's really what was happening. Yeah. Oh, so many great little nuggets that you share that I, I just want to highlight because I think there are other women out there that are going through the same thing is we, when we're in a marriage for a long period of time or any situation, it becomes part of our identity, right? And we start to play this particular role, whether that is a wife or a mother whatever it might be. And then we sort of lose our own self in that process. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what happened to you here. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. And so what I want to find out is, you know, F, when you realized, when was, you know, you were married for a long time and um, there's so many other women out there, um, myself included, who were in a marriage for a long period of time. And it, it it's a long process to make that decision. It's not usually you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm done. I want a divorce. It's you know, over time, you start to, as you said, you know, you, you're like shedding these layers and you're starting to see more and more, what is it I want to do? And so with my life, and is this how I want to live? So my question to you is, was there a moment or what, how, and when did you decide that you didn't want to live this way anymore? So, you know, there are there are these different, as you said, layers, and they just keep building up. And there was a certain point for me that I was kind of looking in at my life and thinking, how did I get to here? How did I get to here? I, I, I am an advocate and always have been for children. I am somebody who supports those who doesn't have a voice. And then through my marriage, I started becoming judged by my own spouse. I started becoming criticized by extended family. And I wasn't getting the support of what I was choosing to do. Uh, at one point, my spouse even looked at me and said, you know, nobody really listens to you. You should probably just stop talking. And that was probably one of the biggest moments where I thought, I really believe I help people. I really believe that I am a people person. I really love 
humanity and really want to build courage and hope in other people. And when someone who you are so intimately connected with frowns on it and actually disregards it and squashes it, that was my first indication that, why am I doing this still? What, what am I doing? And what am I doing to myself? So I was hurting myself and because of society, it was very um, unex unaccepted and unexpected to say, well, I'd like a divorce. Uh, we had been married a very long time, uh, over 25 years, but at that point, around the 25, 26 year mark, I really started feeling uncomfortable. I started feeling unhappy with myself that I was faking it and I was posing as this Lisa, but that wasn't really me. So as time went on, and even with my own children, they could tell my unhappiness. So I, I did not stay married because of my children. Um, I think that's one of the biggest unfortunate decisions that many women make. Oh, I'll have to stay because of the children. Your children don't deserve the toxicity and your children don't deserve the negativity. And believe me when I tell you, they feel it. They sense it, that thickness, that just total dark cloud. So please do not ever think that you're doing your children a favor by keeping yourself unhappy. They want to see you happy because you're their mentor, you're their role model, you're their everything, no matter what age. So that unhappiness can then usurp into them. So as time was going on, I was recognizing more and more that I was happier going to lunch or dinner with a girlfriend. Uh, I was doing different things for myself, bike riding, uh, Pilates, yoga, just different little things. So I could kind of find my, my own happiness because all I was doing was making everybody else happy. Uh, I, I was in a world of, which, you know, at a young age, at 20, looked fantastic. Oh, you get to live in this house and drive this vehicle and go to this gala and be at a ball and go to a luncheon. And very lovingly, my mom called it, oh, the social idiots. And she meant it. <laughs> I like that. In the best way. Yeah. But she was actually surprised. She was like, I've not known for you to want something like that. And that was true. Uh, I came from a very simple background, lived a very simple life down in the Florida Keys. And this was, but yet it was new and shiny and exciting. So you get caught up in it. Every oh, human yes. gets caught up in something like that. Oh, yes. But as life went on, I started really looking at it and thinking, this is not my happiness. It absolutely can be somebody else's, and I respect that, but it mm -hmm. was not my happiness. So I would say right around 25, 26 years, and uh, unfortunately, um, there was illness that came in with my mom, with my ex's mother, with his brother, and I was the caregiver. 
So my obligation to stay was only to take care of those that I loved. It was not a choice to stay because I wanted to be in the marriage anymore. We tried counseling, we tried uh, therapy, we tried date nights, we tried all kinds of different things. But Mm -hmm. I could see that I was growing outward and he was growing inward. And Uh, it didn't jive anymore. So as much as I wanted to blossom, he wanted to keep me in that potted plant. So that's essentially what started it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many, again, good things there that you shared. And I think the key theme, and correct me if I'm wrong, is authenticity is that who is Lisa? I mean, that's what this work, all this work is around, you know, this whole concept of from Mrs. to me is who am I really? So many women lose themselves, as I said in the beginning, and slowly, you know, it, it starts to wear away. And then you decide, okay, what lights me up? And slowly these little things start coming in and you start to get re-energized, right? By these things, like you mentioned yoga, you mentioned going out with friends, a few other things, and you start to sort of, it's that rediscovery process of, wait a second, let me open this curtain and let the sunlight in um, because that's what I want more of that. I don't, I want less of this, you know, living small and I want more of that sunlight. And how do I get that? And I think, you know, there's so many, um, ways that we see that. And one of them that I wanted to ask you, because it comes up so much in conversations that I have with women is around friendship. So I noticed in your bio that you shared that, you know, you have had these lifelong friends, I mean, girlfriends that you've had since high school. And I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about your village. So I always call it my village. So those, you know, that the people that you surround yourself with who do want you to shine, they want you to be Lisa. They want you to be that person and um, live in alignment with what lights you up. So tell me about the importance of your village and how you've been able to surround yourself with people that love you and support you, whatever decision you make. One of the greatest things that really you can have is a group of women that support you no matter what. And you can change your mind every other day, but as long as these women stand by you, you're going to be okay. Yet you need to really look at these women. So I have a a core group of girlfriends from when I was 15, 16 years old, and we have stayed in contact for 40 years. Uh, We don't see each other because we live in all different places of, of the United States, but we are honest about what we feel and who we are. And then I think one of the greatest things for me is best friends that came into my life that maybe didn't necessarily at first appear as best friends, but just came in and stood by unconditionally. Mm 
Because I can tell you, uh, at one point, someone who I thought was truly my closest friend, when I told her, I asked to become unmarried. I thought divorce was just a cruel word. And so I actually asked my ex, I would like to be unmarried. And he was shocked. He was like, well, we don't divorce in this family. And I said, well, I do. <laughs> so I wanted to be unmarried. And, uh, I, but I wanted to still do it with kindness, with respect, because there's a journey, there's a history, there's a background. And it wasn't any one thing. It was a culmination of things. But I also learned through that that one of whom I thought was my closest girlfriends got very angry and very upset and said, you're ruining my life. And I thought, what? <laughs> Why wow. ruining your life? <laughs> That's and she hard. Was like, well, you've always been the example of a committed relationship and a great relationship and how it's supposed to look. And I thought, wow, you know, I mean, you know, Props and kudos to what I was portraying, right? Mm -hmm. But also look at what others are seeing and how they're explaining it. And I said, but I'm unhappy. This yeah. is not who I am. So there is, no matter how you do it, no matter how you slice it, there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be hurt. And I think having really supportive unconditional friends, even if you keep changing your mind, that's truly what you would want to have. And it could be one, it could be five, it could be, there's no, for me, it's quality over quantity. Yes. Um, and I had to learn that the hard way, you know, not to have thousands of friends or hundreds of friends or 50 friends, but the real, the ultimate friend, and I, I believe the ultimate friend is someone who hears you. Mm. So one of my favorite things to tell people is I'd rather give you a hug than a lecture. Oh, that is so good. Yes. And that, you know, that there's so many women that I think we, there's, there's sort of this story that we tell ourselves of what makes me a good person, right? The more friends I have means that I'm a better person because more, all these people like me, but do they like you? Meaning the person who's doing the dance out there, putting on the show and making everybody feel good. Or do they like the you that on the inside, like no matter what you do, no matter how you show up, no matter what decisions you make for yourself, they're going to love you. They're going to hug you and just be there, you know, to your point, they're not going to lecture you for a decision that you, you make because it's, it's a real true loving relationship that is, yeah, it, it, it's in alignment with who you are and the people that you want to surround yourself with. So anyway, I just, uh, I, I wanted to touch on that because I know how important friends are to you. I know how much you love people. And, but I also think you said some, had some really good messages there around, we may lose some friends in the process. You know, when you go through this shift and you rediscover kind of who you really are, 
you may lose some people in the process and that's okay because you gained back yourself and potentially some new beautiful relationships along the way. So I love that so much. Um, okay. So what, there's so much I want to talk to you about because I'm excited to be in front of you again, <laughs> but, um, you know, this podcast is from Mrs. to me. So a lot of it is about that identity shift that we make after divorce. And so, so many women struggle with that identity. You know, you were a wife as part of this relationship and, you know, especially when you're together for so long, it's, it's also, you know, it's the family unit, you know, and that looks so different going forward. And so, um, a, one of the questions I have for you is, you know, you have these grown boys, right? And um, who you love, I know so dearly and talk about how proud you are of them all the time. Um, but when you get divorced, there's all of a sudden this change in the family unit, right? And now there's new traditions and, you know, there's home is, is what is home? Where is home? You know, kind of all of those things. Can you tell me about how you went through that change in terms of navigating what the family unit looks like now? So I, for me, especially the dynamic behind being the best, most supportive, most loving mom that I can be to my boys is not a material thing. It's not a material space or material place. So yes, we had a home that accommodated all of us and it was a loving home, but that loving home also transformed into a loving vehicle. So when I would go pick up my boys, we had uh, a large armada and the kids lovingly called it the tank because it fit <laughs> all eight of them right. and then some. Um, that space was as equally loving and as equally safe. So I never wanted to tag one certain specific area as you're only good here. You're only safe here. You're only welcome here. You're only loved here. It was wherever we were going to be. It was very important for me to know that my boys recognized wherever we were going to be. It could be in a restaurant. It could be uh, in a field. It could be on the water. It could be in a vehicle. That that was safe space. That was home base. That was if we were together and everyone was okay, and even if everybody wasn't okay, as long as we were together and we could communicate and we could respect each other and we could voice our fears and not have to worry. Uh, you know, on the other side of fear is freedom. So they were free to talk about whatever they needed to talk about. And one of the most beautiful things for me is the car, the truck, became our best place to be. Because first of all, we were always in it. You know, picking them up and dropping them off and grabbing this and doing that. So it kind of became our home, so to speak, because that also was where really some serious conversations took place. And one of the things, and I've talked to you about this, the great thing, especially with having children is 
if you can be quiet in your kitchen or in your car, you will learn everything. Because somehow your kids forget that you're there. You're the cook, you're the chauffeur, you're the dishwasher. And so there was that really beautiful balance of being able to be in close quarters, being able to be in safe space, and not earmarking a house or a home. And what's so wonderful now is that at the time of becoming unmarried, I only had one out of eight left at the house. And that was by his choice, because he was concerned for me. He didn't want to leave me alone in a house where it was still shared with an ex. It was still, you know, open game to other family. And there there was no way I could make the rule of you're not allowed in here. And, and that wasn't me anyways. So the the beauty of watching my boys create their own spaces and remind me of, oh, mom, remember when you would do this? And this is how I like that. And, you know, the, the candles, the incense, the music, that was what we were about. It didn't mm -hmm. matter the, the building itself. It was what was inside it. So I think it's really important to recognize, especially for any woman who has been in a very long-term relationship, long-term marriage it's just a house it's mm -hmm. just a thing it's okay to let it go yeah it's braver to walk away from it than stay in it so it's okay to be brave and let go yes thank you because at the end of the day it's about the love, right? The love that you have for those children and they have for you. And, yes. you know, we talked about something um, before we started recording, which is that, you know, these kids, they, they're very smart, you know, they're very aware. And as much as, you know, I made the mistake of thinking that I was protecting my children, and, you know, when you, you mentioned, you know, these moms that stay, oh, I can tell you, I was one of those moms that stayed for too long because I thought I was protecting them. And what I realized is, you know, after the divorce and once I started creating my own life and they got to see me being independent, seeing me doing, do the things that bring me joy and light me up that it created such a strong bond way. It was way deeper than it is now than anything we've ever had. And I think, you know, that's exactly what you're describing is you take away all of that stuff that is sort of superficial and not real. And then you start to really get down to it. Like you get to have those real conversations, those, you know, Exactly. Difficult, talking about difficult things like fear, you know, I'm afraid and it's okay that I'm afraid, you know, but let's just put it out there so that we can be honest. And I might not have an answer for you about what's going to happen, but I can be honest with you that, yeah, it's, I'm aware of it. It's a fear of mine, maybe too. And we've got each other at the end of this. So, um, 
So thank you for sharing that because I, I think a lot of women are, are so afraid of making that, that decision, afraid they're going to lose their children, afraid, yes. you know, that they're going to impact them so much yes. because of this decision, um, that they won't be able to recover from it. And I think when we take care of ourselves first, it's like that, that ripple effect, right? That, <laughs> um, it, it truly does ripple out to those that we love and those that we care for and it, it shifts them too. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's so important for all these women to hear. Um, yeah. So I want to talk for a minute about the, your pivots, because there are so many, um, women after divorce who really struggle with, okay, now I'm a single mom. I'm, you know, single income and, but yet I want to pursue maybe these other things. How do I pivot? Like, how do I make these changes? Who am I to think I can do these things? Um, and you did so much. Um, <laughs> and you know, one of them is taking a microphone and like, spreading joy every single day, but how did you, how did you really overcome your fear and take those steps towards pivoting and doing something different in your life that lights you up? Thank you for that. Um, you know, what I do and what I'm doing now is actually how I've always been. I just put it way behind me yeah. and somehow it got stuck in the back of a cabinet or a closet or a drawer and just pushed away. So I'm afraid every day. And I think that's a good thing uh, because if you, if something isn't making you go, then you're not doing all the great things you could be doing. There is there's always curiosity. There's always something that you can try. And for me, it was bite size. So, uh, it, you know, the when I moved from one state to another state, that was big. That was really big. And, and yet at the same time, I knew that that was important because I had outgrown my life. I had outlived my life in Florida. And it was a beautiful life and it was fulfilling and it was wonderful. And I had a legal career and all of these great things. And yet I wanted more. So when you want more for yourself, that's okay. You shouldn't just say, oh, but I shouldn't do it. Oh, but what, you know, what's that going to take? Oh, but you know, maybe that's not the right thing. Well, it may not be, but how do you know unless you try? So little by little, I started talking about it with people that I love, people that I respect, people that could recognize that, yes, that is something that's important to you. And if it's that important to you, you should pursue it. So first and foremost, I was important to me. So to pivot meant putting me first. This doesn't take away from my children. This doesn't take away from uh, my family or my sibling. or It doesn't take away from that. What it does is it actually enhances it and strengthens it and creates a bond and a genuineness that may not have been there. 
you know, so many women hide behind the, how are you? Fine. Good. Okay. Because they don't think that somebody really wants to hear how they are. How, when I actually look at somebody and say, how are you really? So to, to pivot is to actually look at yourself first in the mirror and say, where are you? How are you really? How are you really? And then from there, take those bite-sized pieces. Uh, I started doing more volunteering uh, through addiction and recovery. I started doing more reading, more research for myself. It wasn't for anybody else. It was for me. And it felt good because to do something for me, first and foremost, was new it, it, and almost unheard of. And almost to the point of how dare you, right? So to be able to embrace that, it actually builds you up. It gives you more steam. It gives you more gumption. It gives you the ability to go, wow, I can do this. I can do hard things. And you add another page to that book or that chapter. So pivoting to me was really looking at myself first and saying, what do I want to keep? What do I want to unpack from the backpack? Which you know that so yes, well. Yes, I do. Your friend Michael O'Brien. Yes. What rocks do you want to leave behind? And what do you want to pick up and start putting in? What little pebbles can you put in that are shiny and smooth and malleable so that you can form yourself? So I think that's a big part of the pivot is first really looking at yourself and how are you? How are you physically? How are you mentally? How are you emotionally? And not to do it all at once, but one mm -hmm. thing at a time, because you should never overwhelm yourself. No. You should always treat yourself with the utmost kindness, the utmost respect and the utmost acceptance and gratitude. And if you're not feeling well, what can you do first? What can yes. you do for yourself? And first for me was becoming physically healthy. It was very important. It was important that I build myself, strengthen myself, because I felt if I was strong in body, then I was strong in mind and I was strong in spirit. And that was how I nurtured myself. So yeah. that's a really important part of a pivot. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because that's actually was going to be my next question, which is around how did, you know, self-care and self-love play a part in your transformation? And I think you just answered part of that and I can have you continue on that. But where you said you had to put your health first, you had to put yourself first and, and what did that look like? And if you wouldn't mind for me, I would love to do a little plug on the Miracle Morning. And the reason is, is because it was truly what got me started on making some changes in my life. I knew nothing about it um, when I first entered Clubhouse where I met you. 
And I would love for you, you know, I know there's a lot to it, but I would love for you to just speak briefly about um, what the Miracle Morning is and, um, you know, this beautiful room that you host um, every day. So I think it would be helpful for our listeners just to learn about that. Okay, of course. Thank you. The Miracle Morning is actually, it was a habit that this amazing human, Hal Elrod, started 17 years ago. So 17 years ago, he went through a, a really depressing, horrific time in his life, uh, married uh, with children and a home, and it was during one of the largest recessions and stark stock market crashes, and he lost everything. And was so depressed, could not get out of bed, didn't care what was going on, truly his darkest hour. And he happened to take a call from a dear friend who said, look, you just got to put one foot in front of the other, just go outside and just see the daylight. And he thought, okay, well, what the hell, what do I have to lose? So he did, he walked outside that one day to see the daylight and recognized and realized, wow, I'm keeping myself in the dark. I'm living in the dark by choice, on purpose. And that's not what life is about. So he polled throughout the world, the world's most successful, and I mean successful in happiness, in health, in wealth, in themselves, polled hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from every walk of life, uh, people of the cloth, teachers, educators, um, policemen, judges, actors, writers, you name it, he talked to them and he said, what's your secret? Is there a secret? Because I want it. And what's so amazing is it's not really a secret. It's right? a choice, right? Like we were all like, ooh, what is it? Wow. You know, everybody was like, tell me. You know, yeah. there is no fountain of youth, I'm sorry to say, but the secret really is filling yourself up first. And all of these people, hundreds and hundreds of people every day would wake up an hour earlier than their day began. And they would practice these six things, silence, some type of prayer or meditation or silent gratitude, affirming themselves. The I am's, I am brave, I am courageous, I am beautiful, I am funny, I am loved. The affirmations, visualizing, so that little preview movie in your head of, okay, I've got this big something coming up today, how do I want it to go? How do I want it to play out? How do I want it to be? So you visualize it, you manifest it exercising, some type of movement. It can be easy morning stretches. It can be a run, a walk. It can be a dance party in your kitchen. It can be a bike ride outside. It can be a swim, but actually intentionally moving your body parts. Reading. So reading for 15, 20 minutes. I don't mean the headlines. I don't mean your phone. I don't mean your tablet, but really reading something that feels good. It can be a chapter of a book. It can be a passage. It can be a poem. It can be affirmations, but something that really means something to you. 
and then writing it down or writing or journaling. And another word from that is scribing. So, so many people, I think, get very put off. Oh, I don't have time to journal. And I will actually say to them, you know, I'm going to ask you an honest question. How many minutes a day do you spend on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media? So that 20, 30, 40 minutes that has sucked your life up, go ahead and flip it and write down things. What you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're grateful for, what you want, what you need. So it can be a sentence, a phrase, a word, a paragraph, an entire chapter however you see it. So those are the principles of the Miracle Morning. And the beauty of that is then Hal wrote a book, made a documentary movie, and now has an entire library, it's now 15 years in the making, of the Miracle Morning. And there are millions of people in the entire world that practice the Miracle Morning. I was honored enough to come onto Clubhouse and first as a listener, then as a participant, then as a moderator, and I was gifted to become the host, gifted over the show by one of the other authors, Brianna Greenspan, who wrote The Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations, which is incredible. It's a grown-up, but not grown-up, coloring book and affirmation book that I gift to everybody. And As I now do I. Have, <laughs> yeah. I now have this wonderful opportunity to every day for 30 minutes from 7 to 7.30 Central Time, I get to host and practice and create how to fill myself up and how to fill you up in the most generous and honest way. Oh, I love that. And for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to listen to Lisa um, in that room, I before she was the actual host of the entire thing, I did get to hear her most every day, and it is she is so inspiring. Um, people, the, the things that she shares, the little nuggets of inspiration and joy and kindness and gratitude, um, you name it. And so I will put a link um, in my bio to that room on Clubhouse so that if listeners are interested, um, all you have to do is download the Clubhouse app and you can go ahead in and join through that link and you can listen to Lisa every morning. And Lisa, is it at 8 a.m. Eastern or I can't remember? Yes. Okay. 8 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Central time, and way early Pacific time. And we yeah. have listeners, believe me, we have a, a lot of listeners who come in, and even though it is six in the morning, they're there. Yes, people join from all over. And so, so yes, I encourage you to get the book. I encourage you to join um, Lisa's room. And also, The Art of Affirmations is a beautiful mindfulness coloring book that um, I use, I still have, and I also buy for, for other people as well, because it's a great tool. So um, one more thing I do want to highlight before we leave is that um, Lisa, I really want her to share with all of you that she also is an example of how you can find love after divorce. And what I want to say is 
Well, what I want to ask you is how important would you say that your healing journey was in finding love that is really authentic and true? I think the most vital thing to me was recognizing how important I am, was recognizing how valuable I am, was also realizing who I am at my core and not having to please other people and not having to live under a society rule or a type of look or a type of way that was an expectation. And when I was able to take all of those things out of my head and out of my heart, because it had taken up so much space of, I've got to keep doing for everybody. I, I, I don't have time to do for me, but that doesn't matter. Well, it does. It does. I matter. And one of the most important things that any woman needs to hear is, you matter. And to practice that and actually do what they call mirror work, to stand in front of a mirror. And Chrissy, I know you've done it too. Oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> to stand in front of a mirror and say, I matter. I like you. I love you. So that did not come easy because Maybe I always loved myself, but I didn't like myself. And that is an enormous part of healing. So I think one of the greatest things for me is my wisdom is my healed pain. So I'm able to speak without crying, without suffering, without embarrassment or shame, because when I'm healed, it brought me wisdom, it brought me light, it made me lighter. And it's so surprising when you are lighter and when you are your own self, what attracts people to you. You're like this flipping magnet. It's unbelievable. <laughs> exactly, yes. So here I am, I'm 58 years old, I'm the mom of eight boys. Yes, all boys. Eight boys. And in my head, I'm thinking, nobody wants me. <laughs> I, I mean, really, think about right, that. Right, right, right. How intimidating. And all of a sudden, this human who I had known for about three years, only over the phone, uh, this, this wonderful man who was a very intentional, very... Um, active source for addiction and recovery and just just a nice person all of a sudden is like flirting with me and I thought that's so funny <laughs> I was entertained that. by the whole thing I thought yeah right you know we'd never seen each other uh we'd only spoken over the phone it just so happened that he was the director of, of one of the largest addiction and recovery facilities here in Austin. And my oldest son suffers with the disease of addiction and the disease of mental illness. So I had run the gamut 
from the time that my oldest was 11 years old to today, where he's 25. But he had been to more than 36 facilities throughout the United States. So I'm very well versed in that, which is one of the reasons why I am an addiction and recovery coach for families and for those who are in it. Uh, and here was this man who was so intentional and so kind and yet so tough and so regimented. And I thought, you know, really, dude, I don't know what you're doing, but okay, yeah, I'll play. Um, it just so happened that I did, and Chrissy, you were in the room when I did it, I wanted to do a Texas thank you tour. So I actually, from Miami, Florida, flew to Austin, Texas, to thank the top five facilities that actually saved my oldest's life, mm. truly. And it saved me as far as in that journey, because you cannot do it alone. Um, I'm here to tell you, and that'll be another day of another conversation. Yes, but you yes. should not do that alone. Uh, and when I came to Texas, it just so happened that I wanted to thank that facility and the director. So that is how I met who you know, and I lovingly say, I met my Chris. And it was one of those moments where he came walking out of the facility. And what was so funny was at the time, I didn't know this was going to happen. Some producer calls from California and says, hey, I want to make a documentary about your journey. And I thought, what? So here I come with a film crew. I come with my coach. I come <laughs> oh, no. with my goddaughter. She's five years old. I come, I'm coming in with this entourage. And he walks out the door and he says, you know how to make an entrance. <laughs> and just the way he greeted me and the warmth and the openness and the absolute intentionality, I thought, wow. Uh, so that was the beginning. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, I love that story. A, a really magnificent, truly. Uh, and he said to me a couple of weeks later, didn't you feel the spark? You know, when you meet somebody like that and you're like, well, yeah, but I didn't want to say it. Um, right. So, yes. Oh, so, that uh, is so beautiful, Lisa. It, it, it does happen. It really does. So uh, we got married over the summer um, at the end of July. And it is it is the best thing that has ever happened for both of us. And we both always say it took us 39 years to find our soulmate. So there is that. that yes. There is hope. There, there it, is hope. Out there. Yes. yes. And for anyone who's watching this on YouTube and can see Lisa, her face just lit up when she <laughs> was talking about this man. So um, this is, you know, the real deal here. And but what's most important about it is that she was living her truth at that point. She was really confident in who she was, in what she wanted to do with her life. And she was open and ready. So it, you know, it, there is a healing journey. And you have to go through that. And I think, you know, doing it too soon or before you've done the work um, on yourself, you know, when you talk about the mirror, mirror work and the savers and the habits and all that, 
you, you, you have to really get back in touch with you and who you are before you go out and then the magic happens. And like you said, it's like, you're a magnet and like all, all of a sudden, all of these things are coming to you and that's the beauty in transformation. So Lisa, um, before we end, I want to ask, you know, you mentioned you're an addiction and recovery coach for families. How can people get in touch with you if they want to do work with you as a coach? Oh, that would be fabulous. So, uh, you can get in touch with me on Instagram. Uh, I'm L Lisa Beth, nine twenty four. So Lisa Beth, nine twenty four or on Facebook, Lisa Mosier. And please message me. Uh, my, my, my passion, my purpose is to really support caregivers who are in the throes of addiction with a loved one. So whether you're a mom, a dad, a sibling, a spouse, a friend, a loved one that you are watching somebody go through this disease and how it affects you and how it affects them. That is really my passion. So I turned my passion into my profession by becoming an addiction and recovery coach. And it's something that I love doing every day. And it is something that I will never turn away. So yes, uh, Lisa Beth 924 or Lisa Mosier. So Instagram or Facebook, uh, or of course, reach out to Chrissy. She uh, definitely knows how to get in touch with me. Yes. Uh, And I will put uh, it in the show notes as well. So people know if you want to just go into the show notes, they'll, they'll also, everything you just shared, um, will be in there as well. So, and I mean, honestly, Lisa is one of those humans that when you meet her, even if you're not in the same room with her, you feel her love and her energy. So I just have to say that. And it's so good to see your face again. And um, for those of you uh, that are listening, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and in joining me. If you want to get involved in more of these conversations, if you want to join a challenge that I have going on right now in my Facebook community, um, you can join us at From Mrs. To Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce on Facebook. And as Lisa was talking about habits, it's actually an intention challenge. And um, we're doing that for the next I think we're on day 10. So please, um, you can find us there. And if you like this episode, rate, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So thank you for joining us and stay strong, stand in your truth, be authentic and spread kindness. Thank you. And thank you, Lisa. I hope you enjoyed another episode of From Mrs. to Me, real life stories of real women and their journey of transformation after divorce. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and if you like this episode, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Are you ready to inspire other women on their journey through divorce? If so, find me on Instagram at From Mrs. to Me. 
For more tools and resources on creating your path to transformation after divorce, follow my community on Facebook, From Mrs. to Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce.